Guess what, everybody? We're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're back. But now we are back for another week of Mega Sheen, your podcast for all things gang geeky from a black queer perspective. I am Victor, and I'm Nick. And what's good in the neighborhood? Well, we're still in Apollo Dean. And we just opened the schools and all these students are back and so much drama. You know, when you have a lot, you know, teenagers, they've been locked up for over a year and now they're back in public. You know, they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be all that. So we're dealing with all those things at this point. And you know, we're we're going into fall. It's gonna be September this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where did the year go? Where did the summer go? Well, to be honest, we lost the year, so we lost this year too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. low key, low key, we lost this year too. I mean, so much has happened. Um, but yeah, we already September is two days away, which is payday, um, which is rent day. Don't <laughs> remind me. I hate to give up this money. As soon as I get it, you know, that smile goes to a, a frown. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, everything's good over here. What about you? What's going on over there? Shit. A whole lot of nothing. Um, there's not really much going on here. Uh, nothing. <laughs> like, nothing's going on. I mean, I got my classes for uh, grad school. That started this last week. Um, Nothing really is going on. Just trying not to get COVID. One of them breakthrough cases. Right? We probably already have the sleep variant of it. I don't know. I think at this point, we all got it. We just got a, a different version, and one, one will come alive in one minute, one won't. So I don't know what it is. Um, what I do know, these anti-vaxxers, we need to start treating them like terrorists. The way they've been shown. I'm so tired of them. I'm so, you know what? I don't understand why some of these anti-vaxxers, it's one thing if you are vaccine hesitant, like a lot of Black people in the community. I can understand that. Yeah, but outright saying I would rather take some deworming medicine or some horse pills to treat COVID than a vaccine that is FDA approved, that went through all of these trials and tribulations to be approved. And everybody was like, oh, well, I don't know what's in a vaccine. Do you know what's in uh, the flu vaccine? Do you know what's in uh, the Viagra that you take to get yourself up, which is also made by one of the manufacturers of the virus, I mean, of the vaccine? I just don't get where these people are coming from in their, like I said, they're paying all of this money for horse pills, but then they won't take the the, uh, medicine or the vaccine or they're paying like thousands of dollars for fake vaccination cards, but won't take the vaccine. Like, 
you can't explain stupidity on that kind of level to me. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's funny because, and then like the big leaders are, are all dying of COVID. The leaders of like a lot of these movements, a lot of, and a lot of them white men, of course, are dying. Like somebody did a TikTok of all the ones who have died or mm-hmm. have fallen sick. And I'm like, you know what? That means you need to jump ship. If all the leaders of this foolishness is dying, y'all might want to go and get these shots. You can go to Walmart. You can go on the on corner. You can go down the street over here. You can go over to um, the damn empty um, Firestone shop. They seem to be doing it right out there. I'm like, y'all, they doing it out there. They doing it at the Rib Shack. They just doing it everywhere. So at this point, y'all need to go and get this shot. It's uh, it's 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 not it's free and, the, and it's free. It's, it's free. free. You would like I don't get you dying to own the liberals. Like what? That doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of these people, we're going to have to do something else as far as shaming them because shaming is not going is not working. They just don't care. So, okay, I saw that somewhere in the United States, like 75 physicians and doctors like walked out. They're like, I'm not going to treat anybody that's unvaccinated. They just don't have to be blessed or something. And then some insurance companies are dropping COVID for under things that they will pay for. That's also. That's a a good way to say, look, if you don't get vaccinated, then, okay, here's a $50,000 hospital bill. I I just don't, I don't, at this point, we're not going to get, they're not going to get it. True. They would rather make everybody else suffer just for us to, just to placate them. Yeah. And I'm really fucking tired of them. And yeah, I, I understand doctors and nurses walking out or being like, we ain't treating them because they turn around. I'm like, you can't go, you can't come to the you can't come to the hospital because you made that choice. So you need to live with it. Go sit in your basement or whatever you need to do, but you can't be coming like, oh no, I got chest pains. Like, no, we um Fauci has set up on TV for over a year. Right. Told you hoes what y'all need to do. Y'all even got him. Got him so saucy one day he went off on, on Rand Paul because of foolishness. So I'm like, y'all. But Rand Paul's is a bitch made. He's a bitch made <laughs> nigga any fucking way. And that neighbor that beat his ass the first time needs to uh, go ahead and beat his ass a second time. Yeah. So you know what, y'all? Y'all go get vaccinated, get or get great, get your booster. Um, also, you know, if, if you know somebody who was out here showing out like that, you might need to just cut them off until they get their little, get themselves together. Cause you know, your life is not worth theirs. And, you know, and, and gays, I know you, I, this is the hookup season is coming. Cuffing season's on its way. And I know some of y'all already, some of y'all already showing out. Cause I've already seen the pictures. Some of y'all been to P-Town twice. Mm. showing out um and, and some of these other pictures are out there y'all don't nobody know about 
But y'all need to, you know, be mindful again that not everybody, you know, is cute is vaccinated. So just keep that in mind too. So just saying, have fun, but be smart. Right. Well, let's let's go ahead and see what's going on. It's been, you know, some stuff happening throughout the throughout the week. Um, talk about uh, we can talk about plenty on Aunt May's tea. It's like, for example, let's talk about Suicide Squad. We saw it. Um, I thought it was cute. Better than the first. Way better than the first. A little bit more comedy, but the comedy worked in this one versus the other. I don't know. What did you think when you saw it? Um, you know, initially, we would do like a whole episode or uh, in a king-size issue, we would do a a review of King of uh, the Suicide Squad. However, the Suicide Squad to me was a waste of time. Uh, I, it was funny at parts. Um, I was glad to see John Cena and some tidy whities. Uh, there was a dick somewhere, but it didn't get good to me until like an hour into it. And then by that time, I just turned it off and went to Golden Girls. So like, it took me two days to get through that shit. And I am glad that I didn't spend anybody's money to go see that because I would have been pissed off. Uh, the best par uh, part of the movie was King Shark and uh, Polka Dot Man and uh, Old Rat Lady. I don't know, her, I forgot her name, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I would give that movie uh, a one out of five stars. You just really didn't like it. I didn't. It was. It had like a, a a hetero lens to it, and I'm already that already just like turned me off to it. Some of the some of it wasn't funny to me, and maybe I'm I was just in a pissed off mood when I was watching it, but it was just like okay, it was cute and all, but. It was like, it was a hike and I got attacked by bears, ran over by three zebras and a monkey to get through that motherfucking movie. I, I, hmm. I like I said, I liked it. I enjoyed John Cena and, and those tidy whities um, Idris always makes me happy. I actually, there was the scene between Idris and, uh, uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, I forgot his name. Um, I want to call him One Shot. That's not his name. Um, but him and uh, Amanda. Peacekeeper? No, no, no. With, with Amanda Waller. Oh, I, okay. To see more of Amanda Waller, we got to see that part about he was like, I'm not a leader. I will make you one. And that was kind of a nice thing between them at that point. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed Harley. Harley was was fun in this as well. Um, it was the interesting line about, you know, if I ever meet a man who was clearly not good for me, I will murder him. That <laughs> was just like, okay, that's what we just jumped from. We just, it wasn't, I'm gonna leave him. It was like, I'm gonna mm -hmm. murder him. But, I, but it was just kind of interesting with that. Um, it was, as I said before, better than the first. I will say probably the one of the best of the DC movies. 
was that. Um, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Wonder, Wonder Woman and this is like their two best movies. Aquaman, I'll give a little more credit, but Aquaman was way too long for what it was. Um, I can't even tell you about the first Suicide Squad. I know it was a mess. Yeah. And Miss Girl, Kara uh, Delevingne, looking like uh, somebody's inflatable at a car dealership. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It that, was, that was a fucking mess. It was. So... You know, they're, yeah, I feel like they're slowly building it up. Again, when you have different directors and writers, it changes the game. Um, and so they really need to keep that in mind moving forward. Now, well, I think we just found out that Suicide Squad is one of the most watched of the films so far. It bypassed Wonder Woman 84, as well as that goddamn. Uh, miniseries of Justice League. <laughs> Justice League wanted to be, uh, you remember that old 80s uh, series, uh, what was it, North and South? North versus South? North versus South, yes. <laughs> Swayze was in it, that's why I think I remember. Like, what uh, you want to do with your life? Yeah, I'm like, that's what that was. I'm like, I'll just never forget that monstrosity. But I won't forget some of y'all hoes out here talking about well, this was a redemption for a cyborg. And I'm like, what is it? Because all we got was just another depressed black man on top of Batman. So we had two depressed niggas up here. Like motherfuckers was just, go to therapy. And Yeah, and Stephen Wolf should also go too because he was mad because he got kicked out. Let me tell you, let me tell you what that movie was. Uh, this uh, Justice League, this Snyder Cup was a, uh, a movie about a son whose daddy sent him away to boarding school or whatever the fuck. And then he didn't return his calls. And then he was mad because daddy didn't call. And now he was just pissed off and he was going to take it out on somebody else. That was what the, uh, the Justice League was. It was lace. <laughs> it was lace. It was that. It was like, um, uh, mommy, daddy sent me away. So uh, I got to go take my anger out on something else. It was very, it was giving me white boy anger, a white boy angst. And I was not buying it, Steppenwolf. And he was making them faces like, oh, I gotta, I gotta uh conquer like five thousand or some whatever how many worlds or to see daddy because uh, daddy won't take my calls because he's screening my fucking phone calls because he just got voicemail or caller ID for the first time. Like, give me a fucking break. I'm done. I'm I'm, I'm done with DC movies. Yeah, it was and it's funny because Sorrow is in the origin of the Justice League. Like Sorrow, Sorrow is the origin of the Justice League. So it's kind of funny that we see Sorrow in this. Um, but Sorrow, someone was like, what is that? And I'm like, Sorrow has always been and has been there from the beginning. Um, and that's how they even got together Justice League. So this was kind of funny they used Sorrow to cement this group. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it, I enjoyed it. I saw it twice. Um, when I went to the you theater, me. I went to the theater down the street because I was bored, so I wanted to go see it. And then it's on HBO. Uh, I saw it with um, Michael, so we watched it. He was like, "Yeah, this is actually okay," um, but he was enjoying looking at, you know, Idris and John and the um, other guy, Flag. Because Flag is kind of cute too. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a looks like a typical older white gentleman. 
um the dude that uh harley married and then killed or did she even get a chance to marry him no they weren't married he wanted to marry her the one that she fucked and then killed him mm-hmm. he was fine coming out that uh pool yeah i was like no he didn't it would have been better if, they, if he came out full frontal that would have been like i mean they are they had show dick already so i mean why not yeah why not but yeah, I wasn't paying nobody's money in nobody's theaters to see that shit. You got me fucked up. Very true. Uh, let's see. Pe- uh, pictures have, I don't want to say leaked of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, but we did see some pictures of Denai and um, Letitia um, in certain outfits. So some pictures and stuff are coming out. There's also pictures of, uh, what's his name? The agent, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that was working with him, the white man. Um, it looks really good in the beard. So there are some pictures leaking out. Soon we'll probably see Michaela. As you know, they really keep it that secret. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Michaela's playing, but the fact that she has not been named is still a thing. I think she's not Storm. So let's just get that out the way. She's not Storm. Mm-hmm. She can't. I don't want to say she can't be because. She's uh, a candidate for Storm. She's not my candidate for Storm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people are going to be emotional whenever that movie comes out. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it was, what, two days ago? It was the anniversary of Chadwick's death. Mm-hmm. And then last week, we got uh, his What If when he was uh, a Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's, I can't wait till it comes out. It, will I be emotionally ready? Probably not. But I'm excited to see Black folks as superheroes again. Mm-hmm. Especially all of them. And it is hard. I, I, I have not watched the What If yet because I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that because I think he did the voice, right? Yeah. So I don't know if I... What, the what ifs are really good. They're like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, like they did if uh, Peggy. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I saw that one. And then they did um, a T'Challa as Star-Lord. And then this last one was what if the Avengers never got together. Yeah. Which was really good. And it, it hearkened to a time um, where the X-Men... There was a, a, I think, an episode on the X-Men when the X-Men, do you remember, I think it was like Time Fugitives or whatever, when Apocalypse was making that virus, and then at the end of like the two-parter, he killed all the X-Men? I think so, yeah. It reminded me of that episode, like, what if they were just killed off? Mm -hmm. So I would go ahead and watch that episode. Yeah, I'm I'm up to catch up because I've been bombarded with other stuff. But yeah, I'm gonna check that out um, just because I want to see that. And I'm gonna have to just you know must up and just watch the Chichala one. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, those pictures have leaked. There will be more to come. That movie will be coming out well, I think next year. So we just need to be ready for that. Uh, also, I don't know if y'all caught the white 
Tyler Perry's release of um, American Horror Story, double feature, um, that came out this week. And uh, it's, it's something about aliens and sea monsters, well, and vampires, I don't know. Y'all check it out. Um, I did watch the, the two-parter, it was a lot. But I think we're oversaturated with Ryan. Murphy. Ryan needs to take a break, because Ryan, you know, I can't give <sighs> American Horror Story sometimes always starts, most time it starts out good. And then like maybe like five or six episodes, it just goes left. And I'm like, what, Brian, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. And we already had, he did his stories. So we had American Horror Story stories that came out. And then this double feature, I think it was a lot. As I was thinking, like it was a lot of, it was a lot of American Horror Story that we already got, you know, he brought back people who've already played in many of the shows already. I was a little bored with it because I wasn't really caring. I, again, I think we're just oversaturated with his stuff, but I was just like, eh, okay. But, you know, I want to keep watching this before. I, well, I'll keep watching and see what happens. I'll just look at that. Um, but, yeah, that came out this week. So, you know, let us know what y'all think of the double feature. Um, it looks like what the this coming week is gonna focus on the alien part. Um, but apparently there are pills that you can take that turns you into a bloodlust fiend. Um, and that's what we're seeing, right? <laughs> that's what we're seeing right now. So it's- uh, Y'all, if y'all could see my face right now. It is just saying. <laughs> very interesting. Um, now, and we'll, we, we're gonna have an episode based on Candyman because Candyman did come out this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been there's been some interesting talk about it. Um, for example, a lot of black critics were not really fans of it, but you know, white critics loved it. I think black people, there is something about Candyman that black people do not fuck with. Like, I don't know if it's like some kind of inherent like fear of it. Because there's a, I, there was like that last uh, marketing thing that they said, oh, you have to say uh, Candyman's a name like five times to see the final trailer. And Black people were like, no, nah, we good on that. Uh, we'll see it when we see it. And there's just something like scary about Candyman, not to mention Tony Todd's scary ass playing that man again that just creeps me out especially I, like for me it just creeps me out and I uh, I don't know I, <laughs> I'm not scared of a lot of shit movie wise but Candyman is one of those few movies that it's, it's scary to me yeah well it's our urban legend it's one of our few urban legends we got and it wasn't completely ours, you know, they had to change it because it's not the same as the original story um, mm -hmm. in Clyde Barker's book, but it, it's one of our, it's one of ours. And so, you know, we, we take that seriously because think about it, we don't really have Bloody Mary, all that stuff is not really our stuff, but Candyman is about as black as it gets. Right. And so it, it was something when I, I was growing up with that, people were too scared to say it. I think I've said it once. Mm -hmm all the way through. Um, 
and it's kind of scary. Um, this movie was a little bit different, so we'll get into a lot of those pieces, but you know, it's something that we all can really get into. And it also is a reminder that we don't have a lot of urban legends. Um, yeah. We know of it. There's a lot of slave type of stories or, you know, that was made back in the day. And I, and I implore y'all to take a look at a lot of Southern Gothic type of horror stories or myths and, and, and stuff that involves black folks because it's very fascinating stuff, but we really don't have anything you know, we don't have a Rawhead Rex. We don't have a, a Jason or Freddy. He's our Jason Freddy, all that type of stuff. But then you have to call him though. He's minding his own damn business. But you people call his name and then he's like, all right, now. You know, that's that's a way of looking at it. Yeah, it's like, he's minding his business. Y'all come conjuring him up. Right. And that's why he kills you. That's like, that's somebody black, you know, you. They minding their business. You come bothering them, they gonna come beat you up. Right. It's like, well, I'm gonna come and slice you up. So he's uh, in his little cottage by the uh the river, you know, making a fabulous uh beef bourguignon. And now you calling his name and his uh food is burnt. And now I'm kill you too. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, it's very it's it's a good movie. You know, you got these this beautiful cast. You know, you got Yaya. Um, you got um Tiana, Tiana. Got a gay brother in there. You know, you just got all this great stuff. So y'all, you know, we want to know what y'all think, but we'll have our review ready soon, so you can hear about Candyman. But y'all need to go and see it because it's out there. I have. As I think I said on Twitter, I have my issues with it, but overall it's a good film. So you gotta go see it. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, you know, Martin Luther King is out here saving the world because he's he's in the video game. <laughs> I wanna know who thought this was a good idea. So a free-to-play uh, Fortnite, which I played like a couple of times and then just deleted it. Uh, has uh, it's partnering with Time Studios to quote go back in time and adding this virtual experience uh, of Dr. King's "I Have a Dream" speech. Uh, it's called the experiment. Experience is called a March Through Time, and it teleports players back to a reimagined uh, Washington D.C. in 1963 where he delivered the, the speech during the March on Washington. Um, it says throughout the game, uh, players can travel to the Lincoln Memorial, the National Mall. Um, it, call, it includes collaborative uh, mini game quests, pop-up galleries, educational resources, yada, yada, yada. Now, who, <laughs> who thought that adding Martin Luther King Jr. in a game where the main objective is to be, is to kill all your enemies with whatever's around, usually as guns, I thought that was a good idea. Like this didn't just have to, this passed through multiple layers of marketing uh, design, 
I, I just don't get what the fuck that they were thinking that this, they thought this was a good idea. I I have no idea, but it was fun to watch Twitter clowning. Um, and you know, if you're gonna go back in time, you can just leave certain things alone. I don't know how you mix. I don't, but you know, it's they thought they were doing something. It was stupid. In the room, you know, this could have been a black person's idea. I don't know, but yeah. Like something, I understand trying to educate some of these kids because good Lord knows that a lot of the, a lot of the racial history in this country is being rewritten to make it seem like it wasn't so bad. Uh, but adding him to Fortnite was not something that I had on my bingo card mm. in 2021. I did not either. I mean, it's Fortnite. I mean, they just be adding everybody up in there. But, they uh, added like Will Smith's character from uh, what's that, Bad Boys? I'm like, okay, so dude, walk me through this process with uh, Fortnite. Cause it's not adding up. Yeah, that's like a random character. Like I understood they would have added a RoboCop, you know, <laughs> somebody like that. He has a little, I don't know. It was just very interesting. But Will Smith, speaking of him, you know, he dropped that gem about he was asked to be Neo first in um, the Matrix. I didn't. I couldn't see it for him for that. And he turned it down because he thought he said the the at the time. Um, before their before um, their transition, or or Chelsea's, uh, or Chelsea's never said their names. Um, they they pitched it to him, and Will was like, "Nah, I'm gonna do Wild Wild West." Now, Will he did admit he said that wasn't a good choice either, because I remember Wild Wild West, and I was like, "Well, this is not the business, Will." But uh, I think that song it, was cute though. <laughs> The song was cute. It was cute. Um, but yeah, that that was interesting just to hear that part too. But yeah, uh, overall, this whole Martin Luther King Fortnite not a good idea. Keep y'all y'all can use other people too. Quit trying to use. It's bad enough we had Justin Bieber trying to invoke some Martin Luther King in his song. So y'all just need to quit trying to put Martin Luther King and stuff. Just just stop. Just don't do it. Just, just don't. Right. Just don't fucking do it. Because next thing you know, they're going to put Malcolm X. He's going to be a fighter in the next Fortnite. Mm-hmm. So it's the soldier going to be in there, too. Right. Martin Luther King going to be a, a player in Mortal Kombat next time. <laughs> they better not do anything like that. Because there will be smoke in the city if they did something that's that foolish. I would hope they are not that stupid to do that. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. Um, let's see. Oh, Cowboy Bebop. If y'all like Cowboy, is it Cowboy Bebop? Mm-hmm. Um, that they just that's gonna be live and they show the pictures of everybody. Chan Chu looking very tasty and cute. That cast looks sexy. Yeah, it was a very sexy cast. Um, now I know nothing about no Cowboy Bebop, but I'm gonna watch it. Same. I have I my anime references or my anime watch list is very uh low so 
I, I've heard of Cowboy Bebop. I remember the the theme song was kind of really jazzy. Um, but the premise of the story, I, I can tell you. It was a cowboy and he was bebopping. Yeah, that's all that's right. <laughs> I have no idea how that I think they're thieves. I don't know, we'll find out. But um, because my my experience with anime is a little uh like I know um Akira and, ha- and Vampire Hunter D. I love Vampire Hunter D. My favorite series is um Helsing, because I mm-hmm. love Helsing. I love it. Um I watched I did not watch Death Notes, because there's too many of those. But there is um, the Demon City. I think it's the Demon City, which is very, very, it's made for males. It's made for males. It's made for straight males or made for? Straight males. Oh. It has unnecessary um, rape scenes, um, Spider Woman shooting webs out of her pussy. Like it's, it's, <laughs> you have to see it. And I, I also love um, Ninja War. That's not what it Ninja Warrior. It's, it's, Ninja Scroll, love Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. A lot of anime, eighties anime, is very is very male sex driven. So, you, well, you remember, you- uh, like back in the nineties, where MTV had like that the the ten spot, and they had Daria, they had Aeon Flux, they had mm-hmm. that little sexy anime that they were uh, watching. Well, that yeah. what they were playing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, it was Liquid Television. Um, mm-hmm. It was, yeah, Eon Flux was the business. They, we, I think we, we got a movie or two. That movie yeah. sucked. Yeah, I'm about to say, I don't remember the movie that much. But um, you can go see Eon Flux. You can actually see on YouTube. I think it's on, somebody said it's on um, HBO Max. I haven't looked that up. But if you want to go back and see those. But yeah, that's also where we got introduced to anime. We also had um, Max and we had Spawn. Spawn had, it wasn't really an anime, but it was animated. Um, well, and then a, a lot of people were uh, introduced to anime uh, on Cartoon Network when they had Toonami. Like they had that 4 p.m. to like 6 or 7 p.m. slot where they would show Dragon Ball Z, uh, Sailor Moon, those type of things. Uh, that's what I was introduced to it too. Wow. Um, in addition to uh, MTV, yeah, Naruto. Uh huh. Which Dragon Ball Z never had a plot. Like, I still did- don't know. You cannot tell me who's who in Dragon every, Ball Z. Every every minute it was a big fight. Every time Sailor Moon didn't have a plot. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to Now don't do Sailor Moon like that. That that did have a plot. Now I will I will give Miss Girl that she did have a plot. I'm gonna put that on Twitter. I, I might get attacked, but I don't think it had a plot. So I'm like, what were they trying to do? They were fighting movie, uh, they were fighting evil through moonlight and winning love by daylight. And then what was Tuxedo Max? What was he supposed to be doing? He was a, a okay, so Tuxedo Mask was supposed to be Serena's uh in the US version. Her name was Serena. I forgot her name in the Japanese, but he they were supposed to be lovers. Um, and which was kind of creepy because he was older and she was like in high school. I was like, okay, so that's some pedophile shit. But the Sailor Scouts and uh, Serena, 
they can't come from the moon crystal and the negaverse was trying to take over the moon crystal and so in order to and i'm probably gonna get this wrong so y'all can give me whatever whatever but in order to save serena serena and the sailor scouts were jettisoned into the future and reawoken to fight the negaverse and so you had queen barrel you had all of these you had Netflight, uh, you had all these characters that were trying to get energy to build the Negaverse back up. Now, one thing I did not understand in the U.S. version of Sailor Moon was Serena's best friend, I forgot her name, but she had like a New York accent, but she was living in uh, Japan. And I'm like, um, where did you get this Bronx New Jersey ass accent, like, okay, girl, but you're like twelve. Well, <laughs> I don't get it. Isn't, I, um, <laughs> isn't that what's her name? Um, I forgot her name. Everybody's mad at Aquafina. Is it? Oh, the one, the uh, yeah. That all of a sudden I'm gonna be black, but all of a sudden now, oh, I I don't have that accent at all. I talk, I talk nice. Do you remember that uh, episode um, of The Nanny when she had wasabi for the first time and her nasal patches uh, cleared up and she was talking all straight and shit? That's what uh, Aquafina sounded like to me. Like, oh, I I can just turn it off and on. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, I might need to look at Sailor Moon. I feel like Sailor Moon had no plot. Um, And Dragon Ball Z was just... him and Nega and Muku or whoever his name was, they were just fighting all day. I'm like, this is all they doing. Why they just go ahead and just have sex? They always did have uh, smoke for each other. I don't know why. Yeah, there was never Regina, whatever his name was, that that nigga name. They never had nigga name. <laughs> never had. They, I, don't, I just never understood it, but I was a little bit older then. So I was like, I just didn't get it. It was not Helsing. So that's why I was like, I don't know why, but Dragon Ball Z, everybody loves some Dragon Ball Z as much as they love some Sailor Moon, even though I feel like Sailor Moon was just... Mm, Josie and the Pussycat. But, um, now see, they didn't have a plot. <laughs> Josie and the Pussycat didn't have no fucking plot. I don't know. Well, I'll, find, I'll ask Twitter and I'll probably get dragged for it. Um, well, I, you know, the gays love their, uh, they love some uh, Sailor Moon. I think I got a couple of Sailor Moon shirts over there in my closet. I just feel, well, I've seen, I know they were trying to do an American version that failed. Um, well. And then there was, yeah, because there was, there was plans for that. I'm like, no, I'll just make up something new. Let's call them Star Girls or <laughs> something. Mm. I just know that much, but I don't know Sailor Moon really had a plot. Um, and we'll stand by that because I, I I couldn't tell you what it was about. We can talk about what Jam was. We can talk about the X-Men series. We knew what Scooby-Doo was about, but I don't feel like we knew what Sailor Moon was. Who they, why were they fighting all the time? Scooby-Doo was about the unmasking of how white men get away with everything, <laughs> but can't take uh, responsibility of stuff. Yeah, but that's that's another episode. That's my Malcolm X on yes. No, that's a good point because it was it was always some white man mad because he didn't get what he thought was his. 
So mm-hmm. he didn't know this concoction to, to act like this place was haunted or something. I'm like, all that work you did for $500. Like, it'd be like... Right. For like, $29.99 plus super in the hand. Like, for what? $1,000. I'm like, well, bitch, all that work. The makeup alone probably cost $1,000. So. Right. The whole getup that you rigged this 100 house, this quote-unquote 100 house in, cost more than what you was trying to get in the end. Yes, you know, when you think about it now, it's like all that work they did for to get the house. They'd be like, yeah, he yes, the house was given to Jeff. It wasn't given to him. So he came up with this, the creeper thing. I'm like, all that work to get this raggedy house. Because mm-hmm. they'd be in the house and the house be all haunted, you know, full of cobwebs. Like, this is what you mad about this dirty ass house. So you don't put this whole thing up so you can get this dirty ass house. All right. We are fucking rambling now. You could tell that we some old ass queens or we are dissecting fucking Scooby-Doo that is like 50 years old. Yes, Scooby-Doo is, ooh, or Scooby-Doo is old. Oh, well, anything else on the tea table? Because we have another full show. We have a whole big full segment with King Size coming, so. I don't think so. Let's go ahead, uh, clean up this tea and take a break and when we come back we have a very special king size issue yeah. what all right and welcome back to the show uh, this week on the podcast we have a very interesting and cool musical group today they hail from new york city and consist of Kayvon, Josh, and Leo. They have a new music video called Close Your Eyes, directed by the critically acclaimed Mark Ruiz, and are celebrating the release of their new EP entitled Bop Shop. Please welcome to Megashane, the talented, not listed. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, guys. First of all, thank you so all so, so much for coming on the show. Um, and let's just get right down into it. How did you all meet and come up with the, the name not listed for the group? Not listed. Well, it, it's funny because the name is really a lot of times taken literally. People are like, oh, you meant your name is like literally not listed. Like I thought you were saying it's not listed as if there is no name. But the name actually was inspired by the lack of representation, especially growing up in the South when it came to being able to check those multiple choice boxes, like when you're in school, when you're filling out a survey, you know, we're such an eclectic group. I'm Iranian American. And in this country, ironically, I'm considered to be white, which I feel like totally whitewashes my whole identity. I think a lot of us, um, when it comes to our queerness, you know, myself being non-binary and us being able to use the words queer as a collective, those weren't even options when it came to gender expression, when it came to sexuality. So I think um, for us, the name just really came from the lack of representation growing up and just feeling like we literally were not listed in those boxes. So we thought it was a great name to represent such an eclectic and diverse group. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, So our next question is, so your new single, your single that you have, um, Close Your Eyes. what do what do you want fans to get from this single? What do you what do you hope that they get when they hear the song? 
Um, you know, well, in my opinion, what's really cool about when the three of us write songs together is that we all have a general idea of what we want the song to be about. There's a central message there, but we all have our own interpretation. That's kind of what I think the really cool thing about not only this song, but really all of the songs that we write, we all have a hand when it comes to writing uh, it, uh, each other's parts and, and this works there really not. We all kind of help each other out with that. But like the idea for Close My Eyes is different for me than it is for Kayron and Leo. But you really, really, you wouldn't know that from listening to the song. It works together. It, it's like a, it's a whole like a, like a unity that's involved with that. For me, the song was kind of really about like um, escapism and uh, closing your eyes to escape from any type of uh, like trauma that you're that you could be going through. It's and there's a little bit of it, that meaning deviates if you go to whatever uh, like Kayvon's meaning or Leo's meaning. But I think that's the kind of the cool part of the song itself. Yeah. Totally. And when we actually let Mike listen to a couple tracks for because Close My Eyes was our second music video. Mike was totally gravitating towards closing my eyes because we were in the middle of a pandemic and a lockdown. He's like, this song makes sense for now. He's like, this is what I relate to. This is what so many people can relate to. And I think when we wrote the song, the EP generally has such a like kind of like romantic, fun and sexy flirtatious vibe but that's the one song that's a little dark and i think considering that we filmed that in the pandemic it was really the perfect song to be released okay. i agree yeah I, I feel like the pandemic was a very even though it was a very tumultuous time it was a very creative time it was a time to really Absolutely. to reflect but also put your art into so many different things so i, I totally understand that yeah, it was either that or drink. So let us do something. The song was not called Close My Mouth. <laughs> close my eyes. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Leo, you do not close your mouth now, or Josh. They, cheers, they cheers. Drink on. <laughs> okay, so you all uh, have a very diverse background. Um, how does that play a part in A, your music, and the overall creative process? I feel like Leo's got this down. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I heard the general sure. idea, but like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little complex. It's like, there's a lot of things. Because I, I know I'm, I'm seen as like, oh, the, I'm the Black one of the group. But I have a even deeper, like, background, like, like my mom is Asian, like so it's like black, Asian, native, Italian, all this like mix and other things. So but I'm only seen as like a black person all the time. And I'm proud of and I'm I'm I wear it like, you know, it's my you know. What <laughs> what's the question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you, the group has a very diverse background. So how yes. does that uh A play a part in the music and overall? In the overall creative process, um, yeah, we just—I I think we um, we dig into our roots and like our, our background, um, and we're inspired by these things, and we bring it together to, to create like you know the sounds that you hear from us. Um, all right. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think Leo's right. It's like we definitely. I'm the shy one, by the way. That's why. That's why I pulled her into the column. Like Leo's got this. Honey, this is not how close my mouth. You will not only drink, you also speak. But with that said, no, I mean he's absolutely right. We have such a like diverse like background and diverse musical taste, but there's a sweet spot where we all like really exist and like really kind of like are on the same wavelength. And it's funny, Leo and I particularly, we're a little older than Josh, not too much now, a little bit. <laughs> but with that said, um, we have so many similar like musical tastes. And it's funny because Leo and I actually come from like a rock and alternative musical background when it comes to performing and being artists. I was performing in the shock rock scene and Leo was in a band that was um, kind of like international, but you know, rock, more rock. And we were playing like the same shows and in the same scene. So we definitely um, knew of one another then. And we definitely had that in common, like kind of alternative appreciation and stuff. But we always had this queerness that was inside of us musically that people didn't really know about because we were in such a hardcore scene. So I told Leo, I'm like, I can't wait till we can like really just like get out there and like, you know, let our hair down and snap our fingers and show that side yeah. too. So, <laughs> You know, it was really yeah. fun and it was such a, um, an interesting dichotomy from what we had done in the past. But with Josh, you know, being in the group, I think, you know, not that he's like super, super gay because he is and we love that about him. But I think he just really like was like always like, I love Gaga, I love this. And I'm like, yes, bitch, you know, let, let's get in touch with that. And that inspired us, I think, too, you know, to really get in touch with our like our favorite, like, you know, our icons, our favorite queens. And I always say this, I'm like, Josh's queen is Gaga, mine is Madonna, and Leo's is Beyonce. And <laughs> when it comes to that pop world, like, we really love pop music, we love pop culture. And yes, we, we are from different backgrounds, but I think coming from the South and all being queer, we know what it's like to deal with prejudice, oppression, and we're all minorities. We know what it's like, what it's like to deal with racism. I think, um, I can't speak on anyone else, but I... I definitely, you know, growing up in North Carolina, like I was called a sand nigger because I'm Middle Eastern. So I felt like I really being in the Bible boat, being in a place that was so, so racist, like that really just lit a file under a fire under my ass that, hey, like when I come up here, I'm going to like live my truth and whatever that may be. So it was nice to be able to let that in the music, because I feel like when we were performing in the past, with our alternative stuff, you know, it was mostly a straight scene. We were kind of like the token queer. So it's nice to really just be for queers by queers and to be able to really put that musical, you know, community out there and just really embrace one another. I think that's what makes this project so cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty good answer. And I think, I mean, cause me and Victor, we're both from the South too. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. So we've had to deal with, you know, the the racism, the religious zealots here. Um, and it's it's a lot. And sometimes, you know, some of these queer kids, they don't make it out of that mindset of I can't get out or my queerness is not validated. So seeing these different backgrounds especially now, especially in the political climate that we are in today, is very much needed. So I'm very, oh, go ahead. No, I, oh, I'm no, just, I'm just agreeing. Agreeing, yeah. Um, 
So I want to get into your sound. You were talking about how your sound was, you know, at one point was very alternative and now it's kind of moved on to something different and new. How would you describe your sound to someone who's not familiar with your work? Well, you know, I think Leo and I definitely have been um, in the New York scene longer, but Josh has had a musical background of his own. I mean, he started making videos and stuff when he was 15, you know? So I think um, our, our sound, you know, for the New York audience might be different now than what people expected. But I think Josh has consistently always been like, I'm going to be a pop diva. And he, he just knew this is what he wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I think when it comes down, because Josh produces all of our own music and that's really the beauty is that we're able to, um, you know, work with such a talented group, you know, and um, I always feel like I look up to them like, like Leo and Josh are amazing vocalists. Leo's a great songwriter. Josh is a great producer and songwriter too. So when it comes to the sound though, sonically, I feel like Josh can really define like how the sound would be, you know, in a secular world. Yeah, so like just a little little backstory. Uh, like I was, I like the really cool thing I think about this group is that like that really everything that you hear from our EP and from any future music uh, potentially is uh, it all comes within the group. There's no any type of out external people involved. There's no mixers. There's no uh, other producers. There's no masters. Uh, it all comes from in house and. Uh, um, and that kind of comes from like, I, like Kayvon said, I've been like kind of doing music like since I was like around like 15 or whatever. And it came from like, I was like, I really want to be a singer, but of course, like, I don't know any producers. So I just kind of taught myself how to do it. And I guess it kind of lucked out like in a way where now it's like, we don't have to look like source out any type of producers. If we want to change uh, genres, if we want to pivot to something new, we have the freedom to do so. And uh that's gonna it's that's something to keep in mind especially when uh you listen to future projects from us because although we're gonna have like a, a similar taste and sound like um there's gonna be some changes in the future and i think that's kind of the pretty cool thing about it um in reference to the sound right now uh it was you know because me Kayvon, and leo we all kind of met in like the underground queer nightlife uh circuit uh, if you will, and like, I think one thing that we could all relate on was that like dance music, of course, is one of the prevalent genres in that scene. So it made total sense to at least have our first project be like nothing but straight pop dance records. Of course, there's uh, um, subgenres within all of the tracks, and um, there's even part uh, other tracks where we kind of uh, it's not as hardcore. And there's some more R&B elements. There's more uh, um, like acid house, house music, pop music, dance music. It's all kind of, but the, all of that kind of wrapped up together is kind of basically the sound of our, um, of our music. And especially like, we don't like to, uh, when it comes to our vocals, at least, we like to like um, sing very soulfully. And like, uh, that's basically kind of, how I would describe it that makes any sense at all no that makes sense let me let me ask y'all what how would you guys define the music let's see I I feel a little bit yeah it's funny because when Josh talks about you know a little bit of acid house and house I think about like the classic 
Paradise, Paradise Garage, the Body and Soul era of New York, um, a little bit of the tunnel. <laughs> Not the tunnel now, yes, tunnel. Uh, so I think a little bit of that, <laughs> a little bit of that world, because that's you know I think about when I was coming up um, and getting into house music when Delight was a thing, and oh, Delight, yeah, and. Because it was because of them, I wanted to live in New York, and I did live in New York for a little bit. So it was just kind of, you know, to think about it, I feel a little bit of that. I feel a little bit of, yeah, you got a little bit of that R&B. And you think about the history of house music from disco all the way up to now, about who really brought that out. Um, and now where it is. And I like the fact that more people of color are now coming back to take house, to take dance music back, right. where it's no longer, and no shade to, like, Taylor Swift's ex, or I've got their names, or whoever they were, who were like the white boys. Yeah, the white ones. Who are Calvin Harris. Um, <laughs> yes. Are, but it's more of like, that's what I get. That's how I feel about it when I hear it. And it's nice to hear stuff like that because, again, it, it started with people of color. It needs to, I think it needs to kind of stay with us because we're the ones who perfected it at the end of the day. Right. Makes it makes total sense. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, this um, artist that I know, she is like so great to follow just for musical history. And it's crazy how most genres that are popular were started by people of color. Like, you know, like from rock and roll to, you know, just everything. It's just, it, it's, you're absolutely right. There's been like a really like major whitewashing, you know, people don't know their musical history. And that's the great thing about, you know, the internet now is that groups like us can like put ourselves out there without somebody having to say, okay, this is what this group is going to look like. This is what you guys are going to do. You know, it's like, there's a voice and you can like pass information, but I, I love all those references. What about you, Nick? What, what are you getting? What vibes? Who are you comparing us to? Um, because me and Victor are different in our ages, it's oh. giving me <laughs> no shade. <laughs> no shade. No shade in that. <laughs> but uh, it's giving me like a subset of LaBouche um, back in the 90s. It's giving me uh, like uh, the real McCoy. Um, it's giving me that kind of era where there was like where techno and electronica music in the 90s were like so popular and everyone whether it was black white whatever they enjoyed techno and I, I can see because we had talked about this on a previous episode how you know techno electronica house all of these genres of music are the, the children of disco and disco is where me and Victor live. Sorry, my cats are just playing around now. Uh, disco is where me and Victor live as far as music. Cause you know, I grew up with the uh, Martha Wash, Chaka Khan, Sylvester. Um, and also I get that kind of vibe, a Sylvester-ish type vibe from that which I can appreciate because a lot of people they like oh there's only uh Mighty Realist uh like the only song that they know about him but I'm like he did so many other songs so to like just downgrade him to one song the like, is an icon I mean anybody exactly. who downgrades him does not have any type of history 
But it's funny, your first references, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Nick, you were giving me Night at the Roxbury soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> with Chris Kattan. That's I mean, it's it yeah. was a pretty good soundtrack, though, right? It was a I good mean, soundtrack. I was living. <laughs> it was a good soundtrack. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I can appreciate an artist or a group that knows their music, however they want to push that their specific genre or genres forward. Um, so that's what I appreciate about this, this sound of this group. And it's more, it's not just a singular sound, you can identify it in multiple genres. It's almost like we don't know what will come next. And that's kind of as great because you don't, I always feel like you don't want to a group or artist to be like, okay, I know what you're going to give me the next album. It's going to be similar to this. I like that it's something, I like that you are giving something different. And I like that you give that anticipation that you're going to bring something different the next time. The next EP is going to be different than what you gave us this time. Our um, next thing so could be country. It could be. And, and, and uh, I don't know really about that, Leo. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never We're know. Country. You never Everybody's know. doing country now. Beyonce's uh, coming uh, back. Beyonce puts a, a country Beyonce's album Beyonce's going country. Monica's going country. Um, you never know. You never know. Well, I'm going to put Clinton country and say no. That ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it C-U-N-T, right? <laughs> country. Yeah. That one. It, it, you know, are you guys, you know, it's funny because we're talking about all of this. And I remember I had a stint where I was a stunt where I was in um the UK for like a couple of couple years. And um the first time I was there, there was this group called the Sugar Babes. You probably I hope you know who they are, you may not. I do. And it was the first time and that I ever saw a group, and keep in mind this is a girl group, where there was a black singer, an Asian singer, and a white singer, and I was like. I have never in the States. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. And not only this group existed, but these motherfuckers were top on the charts. And I was so inspired by the sugar babes. So when I came to New York, it was always a dream of mine to have a group like this. This is before the Instagrams, you know, and I was like, I, I, I just couldn't find it within the, um, the nightlife scene and everything. And I was just so lucky when, you know, Leo and myself and Josh got together because I felt like that dream for me had come true. Maybe it was a different dream for them, but that was my dream. I'm like, finally, like get to do some likes in the queer world, because think about it. We don't have a queer group. That's a boy group, a girl group, anything like that. You know, we have queer music projects, but you know, it's like to really play the pop game that to be a straight up queer group, because, you know, listen, there's so many underground queer groups that I love, like, you know, Hercules and the love affair and like the scissor sisters, things like this. But there, that it was to me personally, like just going back to the original question, for me, it was a romanticism of really wanting to have a group kind of like what I saw in the Sugar Babes, but to take it even further and make that queer. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my dream because we're all minorities, we're all queer, and it, it just felt so good. And as a young queer person, to see that was so inspiring. So I think that is our goal, and that's why we want to do this more than anything, not because we are trying to like, you know, you know, be the next whatever. It's we really just want to play for the queer audience. We want to do gay, you know, prides. We want to play in gay clubs. Like it, we're very much here for the queers. 
Like everyone else can listen, but we're here for y'all. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's a meme out there. I think y'all probably seen it where it's like some it's an artist. He's performing something and he just he's like he's like just pumping his fist and he just said, This is for the faggots. That's oh, uh, what's this? Oh my god. Uh shit. What is his name? Uh fuck. I can't remember his name, but he has some really good uh that motherfucking can rap. I'm a Google yeah. What's it? Oh, see, now I'm gonna. Is he a queer artist or is, is he? Sure? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's yeah. queer. Any raps? Uh huh. Because um, I have bumped this song so many times. It's in my replay list. But it's so um, neat because that's what, I, that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted is somebody to be like, this is just for us. It's not even for. I mean, I think his name was Cakes the Killer. Cakes. Oh. I know Cakes. Yes. I know cakes. There's a lot of rappers uh, in the, a lot of gay rappers in the underground scene, like uh, in the ball scene that will rap uh, some of these uh, artists that are out and popular down. So it's just. Well, maybe we need to do a track with cakes. What do you all think? Because you just lit a fire under my ass because we, that's our goal right now. We really want to like, you know, jump on other people's tracks and how people jump on ours and we're talking to people, but I know Cakes, like I, I actually know him personally, so I would love to reach out to him. Y'all just see? <laughs> Y'all doing? All right, management. <laughs> I mean, listen. <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> you, you, can do it. you were talking about getting a job at the beginning of this. I did hear that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and I can do it, you know. So, yes. All right. Well, so, you got you got our number. Hey, I'm I'm gonna hold you to that. <laughs> so, what are your all? Uh, so we kind of talked about this briefly or touched on it. What are uh, some of your all's musical influences? I know I know Kevin um, mentioned Beyonce about me. I I, I love her. Sure, absolutely. But I also go all the way back to like Donna Summer, like, even before uh, Donna Summer, and like, um, I mentioned Shaka Khan too. Like any vocal like artist. I love Shaka Khan. I I, I, I love Shaka Khan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when she was with Rufus. Oh yes. my god! Like. Yeah, I, I think uh, my mom still has some of those records um, from back in the day at her house that I'm trying to kind of inherit. Steal. Well, I was going to say steal, but inherit is a better word. It's all to be nice and say inherit. <laughs> I was going to call the thing a thing. I mean, you, you didn't mop. That's all we got to say. So, right. Yes. <laughs> and it's still in the family. So, you know. That's right. What yeah, about you, um, all, uh, Josh and Kavana? Mm-hmm. What are your musical influences? Josh, do you want to go? Sure. Um, so, I mean, I, I came on mentioned earlier. I'm a huge, huge Lady Daughter fan. Like, uh, I, I remember I first saw her. Um, I saw her perform at the VMAs. I wasn't there, obviously. I was on TV. Uh, when she sang paparazzi, I think it was 2009. 
I must have been, I think I was like in sixth or seventh grade. And I knew as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like this is exactly like what I want to do. I want to be just like this. And I want to be a performer. I want to serve vocals like the way she does. And um, so she's definitely somebody that I've really looked up to for a long time. And she's shaped a lot of the things that I've done uh, with vocally and like uh, just as an artist. Um, I'm also really uh, influenced vocally by, of course, Ariana Grande. She's a, such an amazing singer and vocalist. She's one of probably one of the best ones uh, in pop music right now, in my opinion. Uh, like, I, like I mean, like in like top forty pop. And uh, of course, when it comes to like production style, like my influences really. I'm not really influenced by like the top forty. I guess I'm really more influenced by a lot of like really, really like a uh, type of like underground type artists. Like there's a, there's this, um, uh, this rapper artist from Sweden. She's, her name is Cobrush. I'm really obsessed with her right now. Um, there's like a whole bunch of other little, little people that, you know, you just hear them, you know, wow, that's really amazing. And, and just kind of get a lot of inspiration from everywhere. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, oh my God, like this conversation, this could be a podcast of its own. I mean, where do I, start? like, I'm for real, like, you know, I'm a nerd when it comes to this. Like for me, there's always a New York City nostalgia. I mean, I've, you know, now I'm technically a Jersey boy talking about a house. I bought a house a couple of years ago. I had to have a family. So I'm in Jersey City now, bought a house. But for 14 years of my life, I lived in New York City in Manhattan and um, still do, you know, perform the group, do nightlife and stuff like that. But for me, it's always been New York City nostalgia. Like, that's been such a huge inspiration. And for me, like, when I moved here, I remember one of the first... Wait, I got to wait for um, Victor to come back because he's going to appreciate this. I got to wait. Yeah, uh, I think he will too. Yeah. So <laughs> one, of, one of my, like, biggest, like, group crushes and you know, I was able to like actually have somewhat of a friendship with some of them was the ones like living for the ones like Nisham, you know, Paul, you know, just that like queerness, but in New York city. And I remember like they were working at Pat Fields and then all of a sudden they were like at the, you know, top of the pops in the UK, like performing. That was such a gag for me to see people that I saw in the clubs hit it big. You know, I think it was the same type of thing with the scissor sisters, to see them go from like local to big. I mean, I think for me, like I'm, I'm very inspired by queer artists more than secular artists because it's like, it's easy. Yeah. Like if you're an attractive female who can somewhat sing and you've got some money, like I'm not inspired by that story. I think Madonna to me was a little different because she came to New York city with nothing and she worked it. And I'm inspired by $38. You know, I'm not inspired by trust fund models, trust fund singers. If you had a million dollars to start a record, I'm not interested in you. I I can appreciate you, but I'm not interested in you because you're not going to inspire me because I didn't come here with a million dollars. So I can't relate to that. So to me, queer nightlife, especially artists who really hustled and grind and did their thing, that's so inspiring to me, even if they're not the best singers, because I respect that hustle. Um, Musically, I'm a huge, 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 like, 80s. I love that era. And I love, like, um, Visage was a big nightlife group, um, a part of the New Romantics, the Blitz in the UK. And they're the scene that, like, started people like um, Boy George when he came out. Or they started um, Marilyn. I don't know if you guys know him. But speaking of New York City queer artists, nightlife artists, Klaus Nomi. 
huge inspiration for me. I thought just so, such an amazing singer, singing opera, amazing looks. And, you know, Klaus Nomi hugely inspired David Bowie, who, another icon. Um, musically, I love Anoni, um, Hercules in the Love Affair. Amazing singer, really beautiful singer. I, I just really love, love her voice. Um, obviously, when it comes to like the 90s and stuff, you know, like the era of like when you're in school and stuff for me, it was like, yeah, like R&B. Like I love like R&B pop artists like Aaliyah, you know, like when Destiny's Child was coming out, you know, things like that. I definitely musically I appreciated because there was like a soul there's something to it. But yeah, just all over the place. But if it was for people who inspire me, I'm inspired by queer artists because I feel like queer artists have had to work harder than anybody else especially queer artists of color have to work harder than anyone in the country. And if you want to step that up, trans queer artists of color have to work harder than anybody. And to me that I respect that. And that inspires me because I'm like, if they can fucking do it, then why the hell can't we? Yeah, that's a very good point. And it's funny that you mentioned Marilyn, because I think about Marilyn and Pete Burns and all of that whole um, thing that, that when I was young, seeing them, you know, and Boy George and everyone was just really amazing that, and, you know, sadly they, you know, their lives kind of spiraled elsewhere, but besides that, they gave you music, they gave you queer music. If you listen to Dead or Alive, if you listen to Marilyn, they gave you queer music, it's so queer. Uh, But I also think about Bananarama, like I always tell people like Bananarama gave you the most queerest music you could ever think of the way it sounds, the way it comes across, even the videos for God's sake. I have such a like polarizing relationship with Bananarama because there is this music video of me. And this is this is before Chuck E. Cheese was Chuck E. Cheese. We're talking about Showbiz Pizza. If you know, you know. Showbiz Pizza <laughs> had the gorilla sing it, and my ass is in the front at a birthday party, and I am like voguing to like Bananarama <laughs> and it's on VHS and that video <laughs> because I have never done anything gayer in my life than that VHS of when I was six years old I'm like scrolling back and and like all these like parents are looking at me eating their pizza like what is this fool doing up there dude? <laughs> that monkey to Bananarama <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't I can't like like go without like answering this question with as a, a black queer artist in the south obviously I grew up in the church Right, and I was always in everybody's choir. So yeah, like my shout outs, like Shirley Caesar, Kimberell, like yeah. all the gospel artists, the Clark Sisters, like mm-hmm. obviously, you know. That's I funny. Think it, I think give that, that shout out for sure. <laughs> That's funny because a lot of the black gay kids were always in everybody's parts because they was like, okay, they can't sing this, I can sing it. Or and I'm everybody's a- church, uh-huh. and we were probably voguing too in the, in the choir. <laughs> <laughs> Letting the hymn out in our choir road. Okay. So we could have a little train, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Hello. Dude, give him fashion, darling. I mean, but we can't leave out the grunge era, too. I mean, it's such a loaded question because there was a time where, like, I'm, you know, as cheesy as it was, like, really into Marilyn Manson, really into like Alanis Morissette. I think one of the first CDs I bought was Alanis Morissette, or No Doubt. Like, you know, like that whole era, like was a huge impact too. And I feel like we're kind of going back into that. We were just having this conversation. Yeah, it's, sure. That's kind of like what's next is like, you have like these artists who are kind of tapping into that. And then like whole, like Courtney Love. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's loaded because um, it's like vocally inspired or production inspired or like songwriting inspired. Like it's, there's so, exactly. so many different, MRI, oh my God. That, that's the reason I started writing. <laughs> Mariah's the reason I started writing at all. It started with a poem and then that like, it's, I have like over 2000 songs that I have archived in oh. my brain. Yeah, like okay. it's like written. Um, yeah, so get ready boys. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how the 80s were so experimental because um, I've, I've, there's a, a docu-series and I love documentaries um, about uh, if the decades and they when they were doing the 80s, they were talking about the music and how each artist, whatever genre they were in, how experimental their music was. And again, I can see the the thread from not listed back to the 80s as well. I can see hints of that in your all's music and your all's visuals as well. Um, and again, I can see it in the 90s where, I don't know how to describe the 90s music. It was just, I think everybody was producing really stellar music during the 90s. And, you know, that's, I love the 90s music, whether it was country, whether it was uh, pop, R&B, rap, uh, Latin music, everybody was on their A game in the 90s. Yeah, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always surprised that whenever Josh presents us with whatever he comes up with, I'm like completely shocked because he's younger than both of us. And I'm like, how, like, what, what inspired you to do this? Like, where did this come from? Like, you're so young. Like, how do you know, like, these references? And, and then, you know, it goes oh, from this there. Yeah, this little thing. <laughs> what is your like, secret? What is your I'm secret? What, what? what was that? I was like, what is your what is your secret? What is it that gets you, you know, that you find all these different things to bring into the music? Um, I think it's just like a just I mean, I, I would love to give this beautiful in-depth answer about why I like produce or whatever but it's just really simply just because of like my just like love for creating like just music in general whether which genre it is uh being not uh wanting to reference this and reference that and not uh even if like i mean the ep is five songs and uh we've but we've written so many others too not that the other ones aren't as good as the ones in the ep but uh it's just like we have experimented so much with different genres and it's uh it just the, the thought of creating those and the whole uh, project itself has just is what really inspired me to keep on writing and referencing this. And um, I don't want to take all the credit for it because a lot of the influences of the music were ideas that we all three had. And uh, I just uh, clicked away and put it to life. You know what I mean? I mean, I think the secret in the sauce is this. I think the truth is. Josh knows like what all the kids are listening to. Like he goes out to the most parties than any of us. And, you know, and like Leo and I have like references, old school references too, that we just really like, have you heard this track? I mean, there's times where we will talk about something and Leo and I would just have this conversation and Josh would just be sitting there like nodding all politely. I'm like, I'm like, you have no idea what we're talking about. Dude. He's like, no, like girl, like, but you know, it's like, but it's, it's cute because it's like, 
we don't want to sound like we're like a, a tribute group either. You know, like we love eighties and nineties and early two thousands, but we're not trying to recreate that sound. We're trying to do something fresh. And I think with the combination of just being tapped into what's happening now and being able to appreciate music of the past, just all of that's the secret in the sauce is just not limiting ourselves to one genre, one era, you know, or one type of artist, you know, it's just really about queer excellence you know, whatever any queen was listening to 50 years ago, we're open to it. As long as a queen was listening to it, come through. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the queen would know what was best. And as I think about- Queen Elizabeth give you a little bit of Beethoven. <laughs> hey, ain't nothing wrong for classical music now. Right now. <laughs> right. So we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, since we're still in a pandemic. Um, but how did the pandemic kind of influence your music or your sound at this point? Um, I feel like uh, this is not only speaking with our group, but like I feel like in general, I I consider the pandemic as horrible as it is, but it's I felt like it was like a renaissance for art, and like a lot of people had a lot of time to create and. Uh, there's so many things that are coming out now post pandemic that everybody has been working on. And I think that's one of the kind of the, one of the cool things, if there's anything cool about it, but like, I just consider it like, um, it, it took, it made a lot of people take some time to reflect about their artistry and um, come back bigger and better than ever, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pandemic, I think whenever, you know, what you'll always say like suffering makes great art. I mean, I know that's like a really like shitty thing to say, but I think when your basic freedoms, that things that you don't appreciate are taken away, you know, it's like when it comes back, you're like ready to go that much harder. And I think for us, it was really a great time to create and record because like there was nothing else to do, you know, outside of being at home. So it was really not only an opportunity to create, but an opportunity to socialize and just kiki. And that's what music music should be about. It's coming together and having fun. And to me, when I get together with these queens, it's fun for me, you know, like it's really a good time. And I think we genuinely enjoy one another as a company. So I think the pandemic just brought an extra level of joy to getting together. And I think that comes through in the music. Yeah, that's, that makes sense in the sense that, you know, and if you love what you do, you love the music, you love creating that energy is, it, you know, energy doesn't die anyway, but it just, it stays in its space. That makes sense. Um, it just stays right there because it's, uh, it's being fed, you know, so much of what y'all trying to put out there, but also kind of being fed by what you're giving it. You're making that energy kind of thrive And it's funny because um, there's this video like where Leo and Josh are like in Christopher Street, like by the train station. There's the, you know, the impromptu drag show and they're blasting our music there on a boombox. And like nobody can go to a club. Nobody can go anywhere. And people are just like dancing to our music. You know, it's just that I think. I think this city, I think this scene needed a reset button. I mean, unfortunately, it had to be this, but I think we all needed to fucking like get off of our fucking phones and appreciate that going out in real life interaction fucking matters. 
like throw this shit in the fucking tub well these bitches don't die anymore now they're like waterproof but you know let's all press a reset and like get back to the root of you know community especially in queer spaces it's about music it's about drag queens it's about flamboyance it's about performing because that at the end of the day they can take it all away from us but that's what we have is we have the freedom to do what the fuck we want to do because we're not used to having the privilege of 100% acceptance. So yeah. when you take away that humanity from queer spaces and everyone's just on their phone or on grind or whatever they do, then we've lost the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's so taken, it was taken for granted for so long. And yeah, yes. Yeah. We needed that. So I think that applies to us. I think, you know, we met a little bit before we started the music, the group a little bit before the pandemic, we actually moved in silence. We didn't want to come public until we dropped our first video, which is what we did. But um, I think it just really made us appreciate the project and appreciate the group and appreciate just getting together because we were creating in a time where it was very limited to even see another person. There was even a meeting we had where we were all a mask and I came in there looking crazy with a mask. And this is early on. They're like, what is this bitch? I'm like, no, this is about to turn in. I said, y'all we're about to go on lockdown. I look like that person in that movie. Who's like, this is going to happen. And two, you know, I was that bitch. <laughs> they remember I came in there with hand sanitizer, everything. I'm like, this is about the lockdown. We're about to all. And I think they all looked at me like I was crazy because we're like, really? I'm like, no, this shit's about to go down. And I was like, this is crazy. I know, but she, you know, give you a little Nostradamus now. But it's like that was really like a moment where it was very clear that hey, like even getting together as a group might not even happen. We did a couple sessions where we recorded on our record where we were on fucking Zoom like we are now. Oh, we did wow. a couple of our tracks that way and doing vocals on a fucking Zoom call. And I bet you can't tell which which songs. They were. We recorded them from our individual homes and sent them to Josh and he seemed to say like professional. Yeah, like yeah, you can't <laughs> even tell. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I forgot yeah, which um, ones they are anyway. <laughs> <that> <laughs> I think that the pandemic it changed a lot. Um I know for me, I did not like big crowds i didn't like hanging out with a lot of people like maybe two four people max but now i'm like well maybe i do need like some kind of human interaction maybe i do enjoy going out or you know because I, I do love me some drag shows uh maybe i do need that stimulation and you know what better stimulation than queer stimulation Yeah. Uh, so how were you all creatively, how were you all growing up? Were you all creative when you were adolescents? They didn't call it creative back then. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I grew up with seven siblings and, uh, oh, wow. and very sheltered in, in the South. And Black and like, you know, like, I, I yeah, hey, I wasn't allowed, to, I wasn't allowed to do tell most them, things. Can you tell them what your mom does for, for a living? Can My mom is a minister, actually. Uh, actually, she's an evangelist now. She, she got promoted. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in the church and very sheltered. Like, yeah, mom was very, like, protective of us and, you know, just kept us home. I, I, I didn't get to do most things that other kids got to do growing up. So I, I found out about things 
that everybody knows, like it's like second nature to everybody. Now I found out about these things, like when I went to college, uh, I lived my rebellious teenage years, my twenties. Um, so yeah, I mean, I forgot what, 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 where was I going with that? I forgot. But um, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I grew up pretty sheltered. So I, 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 but like, oh yeah, creative thing. Um, so because of that, like we, our entertainment at home growing up, we had no other choice but to be creative or find things that, you know, pass time and um, entertain ourselves or each other. And, um, and we, we sung together and like, my mom put a, together a group because there were so many kids. Um, and and I, I never thought I was the best singer or whatever. I was always in the background then too, like the little shy one in the back. And uh, my, my youngest sister has an amazing, powerful voice. I was surrounded by, surrounded with um, other amazing vocalists growing up. So I never thought that was anything special. And then when I came to New York, it was like, it was like, you know, like, a, you know, the rare thing, I guess, whatever I was around, and like, people like, oh, you have an amazing voice. I was like, really, really, and then that, it came out that way. But other ways have been creative growing up, like I was always making art, always like making clothes. Like I, and my previous other um, um, performances or whatever, like I, I designed my own clothes. Like you know, I always did my own makeup. I always did my own hair. I was, you know. That those were ways and still like outlets that I do now, like just like pastime or you know, it's, it's now now like everything creative is second nature for me. This wig right here, I I curled and styled her and colored her. Okay, <laughs> just, for, just for you guys. We appreciate that. I like it. I like it. Uh, speaking of that, since you, this is a nice segue. You talked about making clothes and style. As you know, fashion is big in our community. It's big. It defines everything that we are, that we are, and how we, you know, present ourselves. So, how does fashion inspires y'all and your music and your creativity? I'm pausing because I have a tendency to overspeak. So, <laughs> polite. They know this. That's why I'm like, you know, I, I have to like let Kayvon. But we not, know we, we know Miss Kayvon has all the I'll have all the answers, this. honey. So you what? you might think it's no. just start calling us out one by one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know she has all the fucking looks too. Like, oh my god. I feel like this is a good Kayvon question, the though. That's the thing. Right. Okay. This, this is your this is your question. Baby. I mean, listen, I've it's always been about I've always been a look queen. I love looks. One of the reasons why I love pop music, I love pop culture, I love music videos. I am a child of the MTV generation. Visuals come with music. To me, it has to be the package. This group is the fucking package. You know, let that be known. We are working with fucking microwaves. You better believe there's going to be a fucking look when it comes to a not listed music video. I think the <laughs> challenge, the, the, the ultimate challenge for us is how do we take it to the next fucking level? Because if you look at riding this wave, which is music video number one, you know, we're, we're definitely giving you, you know, kind of like that mod, black and white cue sequences, give me a little bit of, you know, like club kid <laughs> references. But then when we get to, you know, close my eyes, it's like full on fucking fashion, you know, it's fashion. 
it's um it's really about beauty it's makeup so it's like where do we go from there when it comes to the look and i think that's going to be the challenge is us competing with ourselves and our previous work we are definitely about the look we love to get into a good face a good an outfit and the great thing about our projects is every set is all queer family our designers are all queer our last performance we just headlined jersey city pride we were wearing phallic cunt phallic cunt is really up and coming right now his stuff um noah cyrus is wearing it brooke candy's wearing it it's all handmade he makes everything he's not buying a fucking corset embellishing it he's making everything like he's you know he's making the shit and embellishing it so Pissy Pussy is another designer that we just really love. Who's been super supportive. And it goes back to nightlife. I knew these kids because I was hiring them for my parties. You know, now they're like making noise and they're, you know, all the, the, the pop girls are wearing their stuff. And of course now we're wearing it, but um, yeah, like nightlife, fashion and music. What is the common denominator of fucking look? Mm-hmm. Hands down. There's your answer. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I love a I love a, a look queen. Ah, oh, I love a look queen. Yes. And, you know, and if you can back it up with talent too, oh bitch, you got the package. Exactly. And you know, that's the thing, is like so much in our community, we we don't give ourselves the opportunity to turn looks because we only reserve that for drag. No, let's reset this whole conversation. You can be fabulous and be in a look and you don't have to even be performing. You don't have to be a drag artist. You don't have to be an artist. Turn a look. You deserve that. Everyone should experience once in their lives to walk and go out in a look. It is, it is, there is no drug out there that's going to compete with the feeling you get when you are out in a look, especially a look that you had something to do with. It is something that every queer person should at least experience once in their lives. Sure. That's, a, that's very true. And as I, you know, I think about a look, a style, you think about certain looks that you've seen over the years, you know, especially the 80s. Um, and even in the 90s is how, you know, a certain look or how you take one outfit. And if it's a, if it is a trio, how it, it, it looks different with each of the, you know, people wearing it, or they may have changed it up a little bit. I like to, and Nick and I love Gem and Holograms. So we, you know, you think about some of those looks that you would get with those characters. Um, it was like, it just made so much sense. Like you look at the Misfits and they may wear the same color, but it's so different and it's so, and it stands out. So it's speaking I, my language, like, oh, I fucking <laughs> love Jim and the Holograms. I, I know Kayvon does too. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Oh. Or I think about Vanity Six. You know, I think about- Yes. Prince was good at giving you looks regardless of what it was. He gave you looks that you still think about to this day. And then, you know, I, the girls today don't always give you that. You know, it's all about, you know, the labels now. But I like that mm-hmm. we are the ones who are creating a look. We would, you know, sit down and sew it up, put it together, glue it together. Fuck appropriation. Mm-hmm. Fuck appropriation. Why the hell should our community be the ones who have the balls to go on the subway and wear this shit without a bodyguard, without transportation, with somebody's gawking at you? And then you're going to see that 16 year old bitch who's, you know, got every fucking like, you know, family money situation and they're the supermodel wearing the same shit. And then they're the ones who get known for wearing the outfit when we've been wearing that shit all along and we've been bullied mm-hmm. for that shit. Don't appropriate culture. 
you know, queer people, I'm so, that's what I love about, you know, digital platforms is queer people need to be given their due. Like we wear that shit out on the subway industry and, you know, walking around dealing with the bullshit having to fight literally for what we're wearing. And then you go and see that shit on a magazine or some pop girl who literally was just given to by stylists, doesn't even know what the hell they're wearing, you know, and we'll appreciate a name probably more than, well, that for us, labels don't even matter. Like any day I would wear phallic or pissy pussy uh, as opposed to like Gucci or Givenchy. I don't care. I don't care about the labels. That stuff's even more boring. Like if you want to get into like fashion and you want to talk about names, Okay, fine. Like, where do where would I like exist, or where would we exist? You know, obviously, like McQueen is like you know. I was going to say McQueen. It is now. would be the one because to me that's art. Like, we're not looking to wear brands; we're looking to wear art because we're yeah. artists. We're M- not. McLaren. McLaren. You know, we're, yeah. we're we're not trying to, um, you know, be, you know, this. Like, we we're just trying to to be artists and to look cool and to have fun and wear people that we want to support. Because when you wear somebody, you're really saying a lot about your identity. I mean, right now, bitch, I'm wearing a Cookie Monster shirt. That says a lot about where I'm at right now in my life. I'm down there with those kids dealing with that. But when I'm out, you know, it's like, I'm, I want to be wearing the people that I'm playing for. You know, I want our friends, our community, like that's, that's what it's about. And it's a fierce fucking community. Like yeah. these, these kids are so fucking talented, like nothing like I've ever seen. And you see that in nightlife. Like I, I'm so much more inspired by the people in nightlife than I am the people I hear on the radio any day. Yeah. I wish I, I, one of these days I'm going to have to come up to New York City to see the nightlife because Kentucky nightlife and queer bars is. Completely different. You just I would love to experience uh, that. I would I would love to come to Kentucky and see a queer bar. Really. Just I, work, I work I in a gay bar. One. Like we have, like where I'm from, where I live right now, we have three different bars. Like we have the kind of snooty-ish bar that I don't frequent anymore. We mm-hmm. have the the drag bar where I used to go to where my partner worked, but I, I don't go there anymore. Um but then we have like a dive bar that was originally a leather bar. And so that's where I kind of hang out because all of the people I like, it's it feels the more home to me in that kind of bar. But we get like a wide uh, array of people that come down there. A lot of straight people, which I guess, but you know, you can come in, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's... Nightlife here, I mean, some people don't have a club to go to. Where I was on the road a lot um, for for Disney, some of the places they would have maybe one club, maybe they wouldn't even have a club to go to. And I think the significance of gay clubs in our community we need to pay more attention because a lot of them are going out of business. A lot of them are, uh, you know, closing. I know that they had closed the the Eagle in DC for like the third time in a row. They closed another bar in DC. So all of these fixtures are going out of business. And, you know, a lot of people need these clubs, not just, you know, to buy a drink or to hook up with somebody, but they have a historical 
uh, reference in our community. Everyone needs a safe space. Exactly. And they're dying out. We did yeah. a show in Kentucky. Let's do it. Lexington or Louisville. Come on now. Can you hook it up for us? All right, manager. You know. And you better throw a bucket of KFC on there, too. <laughs> Don't forget about her. You know, I, I can. Do we want to be I, I, have, friends, I, have, friends, some, I have some people. Uh, hold that thought. Let me. Did you see mm-hmm. our Jersey City Pride set? Did you watch any of that on our Instagram? I have not. Okay. I need to, let me do that. You need to, you need to look at her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's neat because when you when you see, it's funny because when you mention Jersey City, I seeing that reminds me of when I my friends used to live in Jersey City, and um, they were there in the early two thousands. Uh, oh, when Jersey City was like Jersey was, City, was, honey, was, for gentrification. Yes, for gentrification. Yes. Be real. For example, yeah, we they lived there from two thousand one to. 2011. And so um, being there, you know, walking from journal, walking to Journal Square, getting on the train and get to the city, it was a lot that you would see there. And I was there like a few years ago and it has changed. It is very gentrifying. I'm like, this is not the Jersey City that I came up with. But the fact that, you know, gay pride is becoming a thing where you can go in Jersey City instead of going to Hoboken. Uh, <laughs> you can do this stuff in Jersey City is a, is a, nice thing i don't remember pride in jersey city as much back then but to know that it's really changing up even though it's it's a it's a double-edged sword because it is gentrification which is making it somewhat easier to do i guess it's it's still nice to see it's still nice to see that you know jersey city is coming around well listen i will say this our first performance we did for thodacy i saw you guys had jim as one of your guests um and we did the thodacy vlog his performance and he had like it was a showcase he had like a bunch of queer artists and our second performance literally our second performance was headlining jersey city pride so for two performances she ain't doing bad to be headlining a pride on the second performance so with that said <laughs> KFC and KFC. Yes, honey. Let, let, let the colonel, the colonel come on out. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know a lot of people down here. Um, All right, manager. Uh, let, let's see what you this, is, this is your first task. Oh, <laughs> you, need, you need to experience New York City, and it takes a week. You can't be there for. A few oh, weeks. yeah. I, I, I was, because um, we had just got back from Florida last week and I was like I'm already ready for another vacation and so it was Ken Ken decided that's my partner uh Ken decided for the beach I was like okay cool we can get that out the way now let's go to the city and it's either Chicago or New York City so I I wanted to take him back to Chicago like to see home because that's where I was born but that's the how that's the that's where house music originally that's the house capital we want to be very real you know, um, but talking just to tie this all together, I'm so glad you guys are mentioning this because that is one of our dreams is to do a tour and to do like a gay nightlife tour and to do prides and to bring a slice of the queerness that you see in New York City, the looks, 
the the nightlife all of that to a stage show that would be a dream for us to be able to do a tour a nightlife tour that would be awesome especially you know in these places that don't necessarily get that new york city because they only get a small crowd only get if they see a look they're like are you a drag queen that's they there is no they don't understand the idea that you may not be a drag performer or a gender impersonator to be someone in a look and fabulous and to be on a stage and to sing and bitch sing live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's, let's let people have, let's let people have that because, you know, that's the great thing about New York city is you're just exposed to so much and it gives you so much freedom and creativity and almost it's therapeutic just to be able to feel like you can exist in this, you know, binary you know, of where you don't necessarily have to be one thing, you could still be there. And that's what's so unique about us, even in our personal relationships. You know, um, Josh has a boyfriend, he's in a gay relationship. Um, Leo's dating a guy who, Ron, I believe is Indian, right? And I'm dating a cisgendered woman, a bisexual woman that I've been with for 14 years, not 14 years, 12 years. And we have three kids together and I'm non-binary, very queer, you know? So that's people, that that conversation alone is its own thing. And people are like, oh, wow. Like you, are, how can you be non-binary if your pronouns are he, him? How can you be non-binary if you're dating a woman? It's like, people don't understand that there isn't just one you know, face of queerness. And it comes mm-hmm. to that when it comes to our community. Our community is so much more than just being at a nightclub with a drag queen, you know? And I think that's one thing that Not Listed is unique in when it comes to being a musical artist is we're a group that has three different people who happen to be of color, who happen to be queer, who come from different walks of the queer world. And that's what our overall, I think, goal and strength is, is representation and diversity. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the question of um, uh, that being in isolation this whole time. I've noticed uh, a lot more people. That, like, it's basically like you know, like you're, uh, like like I need to live now. Like I shouldn't take life for granted anymore. So so many straight straight people are coming to my bars and like they're like you know like absolutely living it up and. And they have like questions unanswered within themselves, you know. Um, yeah, and everybody then they're, they're hooking up with like gay boys or like drag queen or fans or this or that. They don't know like uh, the fact that there there is a question. Like it, it makes things look a little more hopeful now, you know. Right, and if there's we could use a lot of that uh, as far as hope goes. Especially now. Um, I think we have time for maybe one more question. Um, and we want to know uh, what can we expect to see next for not listed? That's a great question. But are, are my boys still here? <laughs> I think we lost Josh. Oh, we lost Josh. Well, that's a good question for him as well. You know. Let's, we'll give it a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, go, going back to, you know, you wanted to be on tour and whatnot. I think that's a, a great idea um, to do, to bring New York City to, I don't want to say back roads, because that sounds a little, it would a little be much, but something... Moment, 
because that's what we come from. We come from small right. towns. You know, we come from the South. We come from those types of bars. You, you know, my first relationship, you know, my partner, he and I, we would go to the local gay bar all the time. That was the only place where we could be with one another. And I remember um, the first time I saw a drag queen, I was horrified. And I was a teenager, you know, but like, I was like, oh my God, it was such and like to this day, like I now I like really idolize her, but I was just like horrified because I had never seen anything like that. And it was almost a little scary and intimidating. Now she was, she is large and it's hard. She really turns her brows up when she does her drag. So that might've had something to do with it, you know? <laughs> but I mean, I just remember really being like nervous and scared. And I think now it's so different because like, you know, you have all these shows like drag race and so, like so much exposure to like queerness and all these things, but we don't have a lot of exposure to what I'm talking about. It's like outside of the drag and the, the gay, you know, storyline when it comes to like people who are, you know, like pansexual people who um, are trans, like that's, those are the things that are a little bit more taboo now, which I think that's the great thing about, what we do in New York city nightlife is that you have all of that other stuff that people aren't really seeing. So we would love to bring some of that around because it's such a big part of who we are. You know, it's, you know, we're not RuPaul's drag race girls, you know? And um, I think it would just be a breath of fresh air. And I think people would enjoy it just to see something different. Uh, I think so too. Um. Let's see. Uh, do we want to go ahead on with Josh, without Josh? Yeah, we can. Let me just call him. Um, and see maybe if he wanted to. I kind of want to, I really want to say that when I think of y'all and see y'all and I want to see more, y'all give me um, I can't think of. I can't think of it. Not sweet sensation. No, they were too nice. I don't know. It was something about just looking at one of your performances. It was like, okay, you're giving me a little bit of a little bit of the misfits, a little bit, and look a little bit of a short, <laughs> you know, you know, demon spice. I don't know. It was something about that. I was like, okay, I'm feeling it. I see it. I like what you're giving. It's almost like um not seduction if you remember seduction oh seduction with myself <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit of that just uh just how y'all was giving that but also i saw some of the, the 70s girls um uh, when there was like three girls like star guard um a little bit of that if that that's way i know that's way beyond many people's mindset but um i love star guard that's why i was talking about but yeah i think I like that y'all have that difference, you know, that you don't know, like I said before, you don't know what to expect. And that's, that's how it should be. I shouldn't come there like, oh, they're gonna do this song again. It's like, I just had no idea. They're gonna give us this, they're gonna give us that, so. Well, I mean, you mentioned Starguard. I mean, it's, it's a good comparison because it's like a trio, you know, predominantly minority. They were serving looks. So yeah, I mean, I think there is kind of like, a throwback to the era of you know because when you think of girl and boy groups and all these types of things you think of like the NSYNCs the Backstreet Boys just very kind of basic looks and kind of their agenda is to really sell and to be heartthrobs 
Whereas this is so fucking queer, you know, it's like the looks, the aesthetic, we're not trying to be like attractive or sexy. I mean, we can't help it if we are, but I'm just saying, you know, it's like the goal is not that, you know, if it's coming through, it's coming through behind the scenes. So it's like the, the, the agenda is really about serving. We're here to serve. And you talk about those groups that you mentioned, like Starguard or, you know, like seduction, they were serving. You know, and we, we save serves for women historically when it comes to our music in this country and in this culture. But yeah, this is something new. It's time to see it from, you know, something a little different. Something a little <laughs> not listed. <laughs> I smile, I love it. Well, you know, I, you know, I know we're being very cautious of time, but I feel like we got so much from this. Oh, too much. Yeah. I'm going to have to edit this down. <laughs> thanks for having us yeah no problem um where can everybody find you all on social media yes social media at not listed on instagram spelled n like nancy zero the number zero t l i s t e d so it's not listed but with a zero there's no o some of the girls are having a hard time finding us because of that but it's not listed with zero and um we are on YouTube as well. If you go to our Instagram, our website actually has everything, our press, our YouTube, all of our social channels. And that's notlisted.com, spelled N-0-T-L-I-S-T-E-D.com. And our music is streaming on all platforms. Yes, and y'all should check out their social media. They are giving you looks. They're giving you so many different things. I love the look with all the eyes. I've always been obsessed with things. That was really cool. That was giving me some avant-garde realness and i loved it so yes i i'm following and so i'm just letting you know that y'all need to check it out get into it get into the performances because we do need to support queer artists queer creators queer music all of it we just need to do it so thank y'all so much for just being who you are and being able to give us this content that you give us so thank you so much for that Thank you. And thank you all for being our first ever podcast as a group. Yes. Come on, podcast, Cherry Pop. Yes. You better pop pop her pop. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And as always, you can find us on social media. We are at Megashine One. Uh, I am at. what am I, what's my yeah. Twitter thing? Girl, I, I keep on forgetting because Twitter's being a hoe. Uh, what Porter say? Uh, yeah, what and, Porter say? Uh, oh, Victor's at Wonderman5. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, visit our website, potoftheshine.com. We are on Facebook at Megasheen, Instagram at Megasheen. Uh, is there anything else before we get up out of here, Victor? No, as I said before, you know, check out Dope and Not List It. Get into their stuff. Enjoy the images and the imagery. Just get into it. And until next time, you all, we will see you all later. Thank you. <laughs>